Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. You and say good morning, good looking. Good morning, good looking. You're a good looking church. <laughs> Uh, all right, all right. So it's been a wonderful week of prayer and fasting. How many of you enjoyed the fast, hey? I've been talking to so many people, and they've been saying, this is so good, and I feel like I can hear God again, and it's just, and I even spoke to someone this morning who said, yo, I'm actually sad this fast is ending today. So I thought, well, just because of that, you know, I would preach extra long this morning, so that you could enjoy your fast just a little bit more. But then I thought, you know what, I'm actually quite keen to break the fast as well, so <laughs> I will try to be to the point. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for everyone who came out. I just want to say, like, Every Nation Durban, I am, like, I'm so proud of you. I mean, the amount of people that came out every night this week to pray was incredible. And, um, and it was just... It was powerful. We had some powerful evenings. Um, and, and then for everybody who signed up for the 24 hours of prayer from 7 p.m. We did it, guys. 7 p.m. Friday to 7 p.m. Saturday. Every hour was full. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just beautiful, man. And that really, I want you to know, is the vision for this room, is that every hour will be filled. So that's, that's why we've got it, okay, at the end of the day. And so we, we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to progress there. We, we've opened it to the city. We're going to open it more to the city. We're going to have, like, online booking facilities where you book your hours and you go, and we just get this continual 24-7 praise, prayer, worship happening unto the Lord. Amen. I don't, have to, I don't have time to preach on why this morning, okay? If you, you have to go back and listen to some old podcasts if you're wondering, why do we need to do that? Just go back and listen to some of the messages we've been preaching on prayer. Uh, for now, just know that it's, it's awesome and we're doing it because it's awesome. Amen. <laughs> I want to preach this morning. On, my message is entitled, Boldness to Enter the Holiest. What is the holiest? The holiest, when we, when we go into, into the Old Testament, there was this temple that they had, or this tabernacle, and it became a temple. And this temple had like three sections to it. There was an outer court, and then there was like this inner court, this inner room, and, and then there was this other room, like the inner inner room, called the holiest place, or the holy of holies. And uh, it was a place where the presence of God would reside. God would literally be in that place. And only one person could go into that place one day in the year and not without the blood of goats and lambs and whatever else. There, he would have to come in with sacrifices. And it was only allowed one day into that, into that place. And, and so that place is called the holiest or the holiest place. It's, no one went into that place with boldness. In those days, nobody, nobody went in there with boldness. You, you, that, that, you had to be very, very careful going into that place. Why? Because 
they understood that God was holy and that we, were not, we are not holy. And so you couldn't just go into that place with boldness because there was a holy God in that place. And there was a, there was a veil or a curtain that separated the, the, the holy place from the holy of holies. And, and only the high priest could go through that curtain one day in a year. And he did not go in there with boldness at all. It's kind of like this one time when, you know, I was growing up and playing rugby with a whole bunch of friends. And we were, had this awesome game of rugby and we were tackling each other and we were hot and we were sweaty and we were full of mud. And then uh, what happened was my friend's mom came to pick us up after the game. And she arrived in her brand new Merc. I mean, it was like brand spanking new shiny Merc with leather seats and, you know, like it was just like in those days, it was the, the shizners, you know. And it arrived and we were all there waiting for the ride, ready to get in. And not one of us jumped into that car, just like Anje, you know. Like we, we, all of us were very aware in that moment of how dirty we were. <laughs> of how smelly we were, of how unclean we were, and we knew that we were not in the right state in order to enter into that vehicle. Something had to be done. We, we had to do something in order to get into the car. You, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been caught in like a rainstorm? You know, a flash storm comes and you, you're going somewhere and you're getting sopping wet and you're running through the rain and the mud and maybe you run into a shop or to a home or somebody's house for, for just to get cover. When you run in through that door and that place is nice and neat and the floors are clean, what do you do? You stop dead like this and you go carefully, right? Not, not, none of us just walk in slopping our wet stuff everywhere, fall on the couch, woo, you know, out the rain. We all, we all very self-aware. We all very aware. When as soon as we come to something clean, something holy, we, we become very aware of who we are and how we're not able just to, just to go in, just to just to jump on that couch or just, you know, we, we understand that something has to happen first. And it's not only for us as Christians, but it's also for um, people who aren't Christians, who aren't following God. There was this one time where I was in Cape Town and on a holiday and my car needed some parts and I took my car in to get some parts and I started talking with the guy there and he was like, oh, where are you from? So I said, yeah, I'm from Durban. And he was like, no way, man. I used to, you know, like... Uh, I used to live in Durban for many years. I, I love that place. And I was like, oh, really? Why? And he says, no, no, I used to work in Pine Town. And um, in Pine Town, man, at lunch hour, we could just head out and hit some of those strip clubs on the corner there. Man, my mates and I, we had such a good time. And uh, yeah, I love Durban. And he was like, so yeah. So I was like, oh, really? That's okay. That's interesting. And then he said, so, so, so what, do you, what do you do? And all, all the color in his face just drained away when I said that I was a pastor of a church in Durban. If the ground could have opened and swallowed him, he would, he would just love that. You know, he, he could not, you know, he was just a shame. He was undone. Why was he undone? Well, because deeply ingrained in the human knowledge and the human heart is the understanding of right and wrong. There is a knowledge of good and evil 
that we possess. And when we think about God, we know that He is good and holy. And anything associated with God, like maybe pastors and church buildings, or at least they should be anyway, are our holy category. And, and we are, we're not. We're not in the same category. It's kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden. After they had sinned and disobeyed God, God came looking for them, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And what did they do? They hid themselves from the presence of God. Genesis 3.8. They hid themselves from the presence of God. Why are you hiding, Adam? Because I am naked and ashamed. And nothing's really changed. People are still hiding from God, running from God, because they are very aware of their sin. And this is true for non-Christians, but it's also true for Christians too. That somehow, we still, even though we believe the Bible and the gospel, somehow there's some part of us that still feels very unworthy when approaching God. There's some part of us that hesitates when coming near to God. Jesus came to remove that hesitation that we have when approaching holiness. Not only remove it, but he came to replace it with this thing called boldness. And so I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 10 this morning, and I want to look at the foundation for why we can be bold in approaching the holiest. But before we get into the Word, can, can we just, maybe just, maybe we, can we stand to our feet, and can we pray our prayer before we get into the Word? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe your plans for me are good, and everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. Speak, Lord for your servant is listening. Amen. All right, you can take your seats and join me in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. And while you're going there, can, can you try and imagine loving people? I mean, just, can you just imagine the people that you do love? The, the ones that are close around you. You know, your friends, your family, your spouse, your kids, whatever. Just the, imagine the people you love. Now imagine loving them, but have a, having a condition so terrifying that if they came near to you, they would die. Can you try and imagine that? Like you love these people and you want them to be close to you, but you have a condition that if they came close to you, they would die. So you don't just run and hug them, right? Because you know if they come close, they would die. Well, that's really the God condition. When we look at Scripture, that's the condition He has. And the condition is called holiness. 
And, and in holiness, no sin can dwell. No, it, it burns up sin. It destroys sin. It kills sin. He has this condition called holiness, and, and sin cannot come near it. Or anything with sin cannot come near him without dying. And so this is the God conundrum. He loves mankind, but he has a condition called holiness, and mankind is lost in sin. And so there, there's something has to be done in order for there to be a relationship. Something has to happen. Either God must lose his holiness which we know is not really an option. <laughs> or something must happen to man in order to make him holy so that their relationship can be formed. And so what God did in the Old Testament was he did something for man to qualify man for his presence. He put this elaborate system of sacrifices and offerings and, and they and and rituals, and this temple, and this place. And he said, my presence will be over here. And if you do all of these things, then you can come in and enjoy my presence. You can have my presence with me. So he did something for man to protect man so that man could be in relationship with him. You know, so many people are like, well, you know, they, they, who are angry with God, they're like, well, why doesn't God just show up? Why doesn't God just, just do, come and, you know, speak? If God shows up, holiness shows up. And Scripture records very often how terrifying this holiness of God actually is. It records in the book of the Revelation that heaven and earth flee from His face. You know, we, we're talking about a power, a magnitude, and we're just like, oh, where's God? Well, it's actually, there's, there's a necessary separation to protect you. So that you can find another way to be with him. Okay? It's kind of like having a spacesuit. That's when I look at the temple and all that sort of stuff and the Old Testament things. It's kind of like having a spacesuit. Space you know, if you, you, your body is not, your physical body is not able to, to go into space. You do know that, right? <laughs> Just nod at me if, you, if you're awake or you're here. Are you here? A couple nods. Okay. All right. So if you go into space, it, it's not going to be good for you, all right? Just so you know. And so, but if you have a space suit, you can go into space. And, you, and you'll, you'll be all right there, and you'll survive there, and you can maybe even enjoy it. Um, and that's pretty much what the Old Testament was in my eyes. It was like the space suit that, that man could fit into in order to come into the presence of God. But space exploration is pretty dangerous, right? And, and things can go wrong pretty quickly. And when we look at the Old Testament, we see the, the same thing happening. We see Nadab and Abihu, they, they go into the temple and they offer the wrong kind of incense and they get struck down dead. We see Uzziah, who was a king, and he thought, maybe I could just go into the temple and do what a priest can do. And then he went into the temple and he got struck with leprosy and then also till the day he died. And then there's Uzzah who, you know, where the ark was falling and he, and he tried to straighten the ark and, and he was struck down dead. And then there's Isaiah who, when he saw the vision of the temple and the glory of God, he said, no, 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 old King James says, woe is me, I am undone. In English today, that's, ah, I'm going to die. Okay, but all King James is, woe is me, for I am undone. 
you know. It's <laughs> he screamed like he was he knew he was not going to survive the moment there. And so this Old Testament, the spacesuit wasn't wasn't foolproof. It wasn't exactly the end solution of what God had. There something better had to be done. And so we see this in Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read from verse 1. Are you there? All right. It says, For the law, Old Testament stuff, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things to come, can never, can you say never? never. It can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer, continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Let's just pause there for a moment. So it says that the Old Testament was like a shadow. We'll come back to that in a moment. And it could never really do the job. They had to every year come and make these sacrifices continually, year by year, even day by day, and, and look at the objective there. It's to make those who approach God perfect or holy. So the whole point was to, to make people holy so that they could interact with a holy God and there could be a relationship between the two. But those sacrifices had to be offered year by year. They never really did the job. They never satisfied the job. They, they were, you had to keep it going. Do you, how many of you know those, those, those contracts or deals we get into where we buy a product, but then there's this like sneaky management fee in there? Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. I've been swindled on that one. Confess. Little management fee in there. Small, tiny thing, you know? But it's yours. It's your product. You bought it. You paid for it. But every month there's this ka-ching, ka-ching. Ka-ching, coming off your account. And then every year it grows. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. And it gets bigger. That management fee, it's all, the product is yours. You can enjoy it as long as that management fee is paid. As soon as that management fee is not paid, guess what? That product that you bought, that you own, that it's yours, it's what? Gone. All right? It's taken from you. So, so it's kind of like, this is like the Old Testament thing. It was this contract where they, they had to keep up at something in order for it to be theirs. As soon as they stopped doing that, it was taken away from them, okay? And so he carries on, all right? So it, he says, it cannot make them perfect. Let's carry on reading. It says, for the worshipers, once purified, would have had, can we read this phrase? No, let's read it together. No more consciousness of sin. Can you say it again? No more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. This is a really profound statement that the writer of Hebrews makes. Profound. No more consciousness of sin. He's saying that if the right offering was made, then there should be no more consciousness of sins. If the correct payment was made the year that they went to the temple and they made that sacrifice, 
then from that moment onwards, they should have been free of sin without any sort of reminder of sin. The payments should have been made. The product should have been theirs. They should have owned it completely. There should be no more consciousness of sin. What does that mean? No more thoughts that I am a sinner. Are you okay? So he's setting up a, a, an argument here, and he's setting up the stage, and we know what's coming here, obviously. He's saying the system was not foolproof. It could never really do the job, because otherwise, if the right payment was made, then they should no longer be conscious of sins. They should be free. There should be no longer any thought that they are a sinner, and they should walk in holiness. So let's carry on reading. We're going to read from verse 11. We'll just jump to verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, can you say forever? He sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, let's read together, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. What is he saying? He's basically saying that Jesus is that one sacrifice. Jesus is that one offering. We know he offered his own blood, sinless blood. He went into the temple that was not made by man, but in the heavenlies. And he put it on the mercy seat once and for all, and he sat down. The payment for sin was made. The transaction was complete. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Can somebody say amen? Maybe look at the person next to you and say, do you know that you've been perfected forever? This is profound. This is life-changing, people. You are perfected forever. There is no more offering for your sins. Jesus paid for it. No more spacesuits needed. You have been perfected. You've been made holy forever. It's done. It's a done deal. If we are perfected forever, then according to the verses we've read before, then we should no longer be conscious of sins when approaching God. I'm no longer that dirty kid about to get in a clean car when I come to God in prayer. I am fully qualified. I am clean. I am sparkling new. I am fully okay to get into that shiny vehicle called God. I am okay to come to Him. Uh, all my dirt, all my sin has been thrown as far as the east. So everything has been covered by the blood of Jesus. One sacrifice has been made. I've been perfected forever. No longer consciousness of sin. 
when approaching God. Hebrews 10 verse 19, let's jump to verse 19. Look at the, then the application of this. Is, well, then so what? What shall we do? Well, therefore, because of all of this, brethren, that's you, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us, through the veil that is His flesh, let us draw near. What the writer is telling us now is that the disposition that you need to have when you come to God in prayer or church or connect group or the 24-7 prayer room, the disposition that you have when you're approaching God is not one of hesitation anymore. It's not one of a consciousness of sin anymore. But it's one where you are bold and you come boldly into the holiest place. I mean, in Ephesians 3.12 says the following. It says, because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly, can you say it, and confidently into God's presence. Because of what Jesus done, you can come boldly and confidently to God, the holy God. God hasn't changed. He hasn't got rid of His holiness. Jesus has changed you. He has made you perfect, holy forever, and so you can approach Him now with a boldness. Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4, 16 says the following. It says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let us go with this thing called boldness. Can, can you just imagine? I mean, a lot of these scriptures are written to Jews in those days who've grown up their whole lives learning about the temple and sacrifices and what sacrifices are needed to cover sins. And then there's this priesthood and this one guy can only go into the holy, holiest place and, and it's behind the veil and it's separated from us and you don't just go in there. You've got to be careful because of Uzziah and Uzzah and, and all those Nadab and all those guys who were killed. And so there's this protection. There's this holiness. You don't just, you, you hesitate. You be careful when you go in there, man. You don't go in there with boldness and jay i mean come on that's like are you serious boldness i mean can you imagine being a jew you've grown up with all that understanding your whole life of the separate holiness of god and now someone's writing to you and say go boldly to the holiest go boldly into that presence by the new and living way which jesus has made for you it's not an easy thing it's not an easy thing just to change their minds and suddenly realize that I can go into that place. Go into the holiest. I know that place. <laughs> the people die there. The high priest had a rope around his leg when he went into that place. In case he died, then we, no one could just go in and get the body out. You know what I mean? We had to pull. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> we don't just go there. And now this writer is saying boldness, boldness to enter the holy place. That whole, behind the veil, yeah, behind the veil. The thing that separates everything, you can go into that place. It was such a struggle for them. It was such a hard thing for them. 
they kept thinking that they maybe had to do something else, like maybe let's keep circumcision, or let's keep this thing, or let's keep that thing, or this feast, or that, just, just, just in case. Insurance, ne? Insurance. Not only hard for them, but hard for you too. Why? Because built into you is an understanding of the holiness of God. Built into you is the understanding that you are a man or woman of unclean lips who live amongst a people of unclean lips. Am I right? Someone has lied to you. Someone has deceived you into thinking that you are not what God says you are. And that you still have to do something in order to enjoy Him and be with Him. It's the same temptation that came to Adam and Eve in the garden. If you eat this fruit, you will be like God. They were already like God. <laughs> they were already like Him. But the temptation, the deception was you're not. And so you have to do something in order to be like him. And it's the same serpent who lied then, who still comes and lies to you today and says that you are not holy. You have not been qualified. You are not justified. You cannot just come to God because you are still wicked and sinful and you are doing the wrong thing. And so you, if you just pray a little bit harder, or if you just, you know, go to church every Sunday, just make sure you talk, read that Bible, read it, read it otherwise. <laughs> the holy God, you know? Like, just do a whole bunch of things so that maybe you will just also qualify yourself and then, then you can have, go into the holiest. And don't go, don't go bold. Don't go bold. Go careful, ba. Go careful. Now watch out. Watch out. He might just shire, you know, because you did that thing last week. Remember that thing you did last week, that thing? Yeah, yeah, that thing. He still counts that against you, you know. He's still, he's still not really happy about that. He still thinks you haven't really paid for that thing yet. So when you come, come close, just but be, be quiet, be still. Maybe sneak in. Sneak in. Check the atmosphere. See in your heart, is the feeling okay? Okay, the feeling's all right. We can, you, can, you can lift your hands now. See, it's all, it's all right now, champ. You know, I think he's okay with you. Hey, he's a liar. Can somebody say the devil's a liar? Woo! Come on. You have been qualified. You have been made perfect forever. And so boldness is your right as a child of God. Boldness is what you must have. When you are approaching with hesitancy, it says that you are not in faith. And God, when you come with boldness, it says that you are in faith, that your confidence is in the finished work of Christ and not in yourself. I want to say to you, some of you have been hiding from the Lord, feeling like a sinner, feeling condemned, feeling burdened, feeling like 
you don't measure up, that he's not happy with you, that maybe somehow, some way, you still have to do something, I want to set you free this morning with the truth. The truth is Jesus paid for it. And you have been qualified, perfected, and boldness is your right. When the scripture tells us our rights, what do we do with them? We exercise them. Why? Because then we step into the benefit of them. You won't enjoy the benefit of God and the presence of God until you understand this right that you have for boldness. When you come boldly, you enjoy God's presence. When you come hesitantly, you, faith is what makes the difference. Faith is what makes the difference. Amen? And that's why it says that this old system was just a shadow of the new thing. It was just a shadow of what's to come. Remember that scripture I shared with you? Just a shadow. Can, can, I, can I just have, I want to illustrate this. Come, Dala, why don't you come on up here for a second. And um, I've got to find somebody else. Yes, come, champ. Come on up. All right, because you, yeah, you're available. Okay. I want to I illustrate this this morning. Okay. Tala. Okay, you, you hold this like this, okay? And shine it at the wall. Come stand here, bruh. Come stand here. Okay. This is the glory of God, all right? Shining, all right? This over here is the world, okay? This is where we are. This is the earth over here. And the glory of God is shining to us. Dala is Jesus, okay? Can we put our hands out like this? All right? He makes a good Jesus, eh? All right. <laughs> and the glory of God is shining towards the earth, but it's being protected. Otherwise, we would die, remember? Okay? So there's a shadow, and we live in the shadow. And the shadow, when we look at the shadow, it gives us some sort of shape of what is coming, but it never tells us, when I look at the shadow, it never tells me how glorious it re He really is, you know? So we live in the shadow and we move in the shadow, but at the, in the fullness of time, keep walking backwards. All right, watch what happens to the shadow. Keep going, bro. Keep going. The shadow gets smaller. The prophets say there's going to come one. Eventually, John the Baptist, and then there is Jesus. And where's the shadow? The shadow's gone, all right? This is why the scripture said he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it so in jesus the temple the sacrifices are actually they're fulfilled and what we look now the shit who wants to hold on to the shadow Fanella, when when there's the glory of <laughs> when we when we have the glory of Jesus. Amen? Every time you want to pay for your own sins, <laughs> come on, come back, come back. We've got a job to do. Okay, go, go sit down. Every, every time we... <laughs> Yo, this church, we declare the year of weddings. Amen? <laughs> Every time we want to pay for our own sins, we're holding on to a shadow. Holding on to a shadow. Jesus came and He fulfilled it. He fulfilled everything. So the question is, well, what do we do now? So what is the application to this word? Well, let's go look at Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Romans 4, verse 19. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to just look at the life of Abraham for a moment. Because Abraham was a man who existed before the spacesuit, before the temple and the sacrifices and the priesthood and all of that Old Testament stuff. He lived before that time, okay? But he was a man who was declared righteous by God because of the faith that he had. All right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go look at him because we too are not made holy through that spacesuit anymore. We don't need a spacesuit anymore. Hallelujah. God has anatomically changed us so we can go into space. Do you, you get what I mean? Not, don't try, but just understand the illustration and the point. It's like he, he took the spacesuit away and he anatomically, physiologically modified us so that we can breathe, move, fly, cruise in his holiness. Okay? Amen. Verse 19 says, And not being weak in faith, Abraham, he did not consider his own body, which was already dead since he was about 100 years old. And he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore... Can you say therefore? therefore? Therefore, because of all of that thinking and understanding and belief, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. God gave him holiness so he could enjoy God and all the blessings of God and God's presence because not of anything that he did, but what? Because of his faith. This is you and me. This is you and me. Look at the points here. Abraham did not consider his own body, which was pretty much dead. I want to say to us, we too must not consider our sin. Thank you, Mlu, for that. Amen. <laughs> is that okay? Do you feel, is that comfortable enough for you? It's not comfortable, hey? It, what, is, what does it feel? It feels like, ah. But I know me, Dad. <laughs> Jesus came to remove that thing that you feel right now. There's something in us, I don't know, in, in this flesh that, that wants to, I don't know, it's like this religious thing in us that wants to hold on to, I need to qualify myself. I need, I need to do something in this transaction. Abraham did not consider his body. We must not consider our sin. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, when you consider something, you consider it, you look at it, you observe it, you watch it. Maybe you start to magnify it. Suddenly, it, when you consider something, you give importance to it. You give reverence to it. You make it big. You give it power. And like Abraham did not consider his flesh, we too must not consider our sin. Satan is the one who magnifies sin. He's the one who says it's too big. It's too bad. It's really, really ugly. It's disgusting. How could you? Why did you? He is the one who tries to magnify it, make it big, 
the whole time, but, but we are not to consider it. Instead, we are to consider the offering for sin. <laughs> I'm not saying deny it. Confess it. But don't consider it. Don't get stuck into looking at how bad and how big and how... Because what we should rather do is look at the offering of Jesus' blood and consider that and magnify that. And by that blood, we are washed white as snow. And that was the one perfect offering for sins forever. And by that one offering, He made perfect all those who would worship and believe in Him. It, we consider the offering of Jesus, not our sin. What was the solution to the Israelites in Numbers 21, when they, they had sinned and all these snakes came into their camp and were biting them and killing them, the answer was to take one of those snakes, put it on a, make a bronze, sorry, not take one of the snakes, make a bronze snake, put it on a pole. Do you know the story? Put it on a pole. Put the, the snake on the, on the pole and then hold the pole up over the congregation and everyone who looked at it was healed. As we consider the cross and the place where our sin was nailed to the cross, and we consider the offering that was made for us, then we receive the forgiveness and the grace that we need to keep walking day by day with God. We don't consider. We don't consider because the, we, we, we magnify it too much. Can somebody give me an amen? You were so conscious of this thing, and you, you, you're, like, you're like this conscious. Can I do an illustration? Tall Paul, can, can you come here for a second? Because you're so tall. Please, please, give Paul a hand as he comes here. <clears throat> Short Paul, please come here. I want to, I want to. <laughs> These guys could be brothers, eh? They could be. Okay. Please don't be offended by the illustration in any way, okay? We do this with sin, and we do this with the offering of Jesus. When this is what we should do with the offering of Jesus and not even consider this, amen? Okay, please don't be offended. You guys are awesome. Stature, thank you guys for your illustration. And you so this is really the difference between religion and grace. See, religion says this. It says you need to be more sin conscious because then you won't take this thing for granted and you're going to stay humble and, and then you'll be more holy. That's what religion says, you know. Don't, don't, you know, still take Don't come in with that boldness, that bold spirit or anything. Don't sing too loud. Just come carefully. Come humbly. Come just in jay and kosiyam. You know, just, just come like this. This is what religion does. Be conscious of your sin. Be very conscious of it when you approach because that will keep you humble and then eventually that humbleness will lead to some sort of holiness in your life. But it's fear-based, not faith-based. The opposite is grace. Grace is this. No, you must become less conscious of sin, more conscious of the offering that Jesus made, more conscious of the blood of Jesus, more conscious of the mercy of God, and then you'll be more holy in your life. One is fear-based, the other is faith-based. And the scriptures say the just shall live by faith. We live by faith and not fear. So instead of exercising fear 
for what you've done wrong. Start to exercise faith in the finished work of Jesus. And let faith rule over fear. And let me tell you something, you're going to start to enjoy your Father a whole lot more. God is not just like holding all these blessings and holding all this stuff and like just waiting for you to grovel in and then give you maybe a crumb. That is not Him. The disposition, you need to come in boldly and there's something in us that says, no, 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 no. We shy from this thing. And, and it's hard for us. It was hard for the New Testament Jews. They kept thinking, man, that's why the whole book of Galatians was written. Because they kept thinking, no, 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 no. We have to do something. We have to do something in this process. We've got to keep this humility. We've got to, we've got to keep circumcision and th th this feast, that thing. And don't eat this food. And don't, and, but eat this food. And don't do... Hey, Jesus came to do away. That's a shadow. The whole system's gone. It's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so, so we have to have boldness to enter this holy place with God. And, and, it's, and what it's going to take from you is a mind-bending transformation. But what you need to do is, the way you do it is by looking at, picking up your cross, that thing, <laughs> that thing that saved your life. <laughs> and you walk with it. You walk with that cross day by day. You walk with that thing. You pick up that cross. Where, that was the place where it was paid for me so that I don't have to pay for it. When the enemy comes and lies to me and says, you need to sacrifice. You need to do this. You said, no, no, I got a cross. And somebody already did that for me. I'm, I've got a get out of jail free card, okay? I'm free in Jesus' name. Abraham did not consider his own body that was as good as dead. We shouldn't really get wrapped up in the, in the weakness of our flesh, people. But we must press on in faith. Religion says get wrapped up in, in your weakness and try and fix it and solve it. Faith says, no, no, no. It's by grace, through faith, that I've been saved. And the more we, we look at the finished work of Jesus, the more you're empowered to live a holy life. He did not waver at the promise of God. What does wavering look like? This is what we do. What is the promise of God? The promise of God is that He's perfected us forever. That's what God has said. It's done. The promise is this, is that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you have, all the sin has been paid for in Jesus' name. It's done. That is the promise of God. And it says away, Abraham didn't waver at the promise of God. We too must not waver at this promise. What does it mean to waver? Well, wavering looks like trying to do a plan B. That's what wavering means. So you're always trying to do maybe a little something to sort it out yourself. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9 says the following. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's actually a gift that God has given to you. How rude that someone gives you a gift and then you still try and pay for it. The Old Testament was by, look at the New Testament, by what grace? Through, can you say that? By grace? Through faith. Can you say by grace? Through faith. Say it again. By? Through. You were saved by? How? You were saved by? Grace. How? Through faith. Through faith. By? You were saved by grace 
by the goodness of God, by the mercy of God, by the generosity of God, by the power of God, you were saved through your faith. Through your faith. The Old Testament was by works through sacrifices you are saved. That was the Old Testament. The Old Testament was by, by, by works and through sacrifices you will get there. The New Testament says, no, no, it's a gift through your faith. Your faith is the trigger to release the goodness of God. When you have boldness, you show that you have faith in God. And the goodness of God is released in your life. Galatians 5 verse 4 says the following. Can we read it? For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by whatever, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Paul is holding no punches here. This church in Galatians, they in Galatia, they they were trying to still do something in order to earn their salvation. They were teaching works. There's still something you have to do. And he says, if you're trying to do that, if you're caught in that mentality where you think by, fill in the gap, whatever it is, by praying, by reading your Bible more, by not swearing so much, by da 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 all the list of things we think as righteousness, right? Put it all in there. If you think that you're trying to make yourself right by God by doing that, then actually what you do is you cut yourself off from Christ. It's actually like an insult. You cut yourself off from God, and you have fallen from grace. What is grace? Grace is not God just like a free license just to do what you want. Grace is the power of God at work in your life. That's what grace is. Paul said, you know, I preach the gospel according to the grace of God which was given to me. I made him proclaimed amongst the Gentiles. According to the grace of God. We are called in the New Testament to minister according to the grace of God given to us. The grace of God is the goodness of God. It's the blessing of God. It is the power of God at work in our lives. When we get into a works mentality, we cut ourselves off from the power of God in our lives. Is what he's saying. And you land up in this miserable, sad existence of still trying to do what Jesus has already done for you. Can we just stop that? Can we make 2020 the year? We just like, this thing is over. We're, we're not going to stay in that middle ground of are we accepted, are we not? Maybe, maybe not. Considering our sin, magnifying our sin, you know, careful to come to God. In fact, you know what we do sometimes as Christians is we sin and we become very conscious of our sin, and the enemy comes with all his condemnation over our lives. And so what we do is we have full access to God. We have full boldness to enter the holiest, right? We have full access, boldness, everything. But because we're in that state where we think we still have to pay for it somehow, what happens is we actually distance ourselves from God. You know, it's possible you could be here, and you come here every Sunday, and you inconnect and everything, but you can be distant from God because of this very thing. Coming near, but not too near. Coming close, but not that close. Because you're still so aware of how you've, sh you've fallen short. And religion says, yeah, stay in that humble attitude, lest you get struck. <laughs> but it's a false humility. Can I tell you what true humility is? True humility is, Lord, I'm not perfect. 
but I believe that you paid everything for me. And so I come with boldness, not in my own strength, but in the strength of Jesus. Lord, in the finished work of that cross, I come to you today. I thank you that all my sin has been paid for, has been washed over. There's nothing I can do to earn this place with you, God. I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. I come boldly to your throne of grace to find the help that I need, to find what I need in my life. Satan knows if he can keep you from that throne of grace, you don't find what you need for your life. You somehow think that you don't qualify for the blessing of God. You somehow think that you don't qualify for the favor of God. You're like a big meeting's coming up and you've got to go and do this thing and there's a presentation and this contract and this tender and something's happening in your life and you're like, you're going to go into it and then you're like, okay, let me pray before I go and then all of a sudden, sin, consciousness, comes. And then you're like, Phew. Lord, if you're willing, I... I know, you know, Lord, I haven't done everything that I should have been doing, and, but I really want you to help me there. And I, I'm not sure if you will, um, and I hope you do. Amen. I don't know. I think somebody stole your boldness somewhere. And I'm telling you now, that sort of prayer life, that's not what we've been called for. <laughs> Can someone say amen to that? Amen. That's not our portion, amen? That's not what, we have, what Jesus did to achieve that. Are you serious? That blood, that mission, that rescue mission to save humanity and pay that price so that we could be that timid and that scared. I don't know. I think some of us need to shake off some of this fear, this insecurity we have in coming to God. We are no longer those dirty kids getting into a shiny vehicle. Did you know that all the blessings are yours in Jesus' name? The blessing of good health over your children, over your home, over your family, over your business, all of it is yours in Jesus' name. It's your right as a child of God to come to him boldly, to jump on his lap and say, Dad, I need some help for this meeting. I need you to break through here. We need to get some money into the kingdom, Lord. We need to get this thing. God, come through for us, Lord, because we know you're great for us. We know you're not against us. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a of God. I'm no longer that slave trying to earn and pay it. I am a child of God. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Whoa. Whoa. Come on, Jesus. What a privilege we have as the children of God. Can you just say, I am qualified. You don't have to qualify yourself. You are qualified. Some of you are thinking like, I, need to, I, I want to ask God for something, but I just don't feel worthy enough. Can you bury that right now? And can you ask Him for that thing? And can you do it with boldness?
Listen, you have access to the holiest place. And it's not about a temple anymore, a place. Jesus said, the time is coming when people will, know, will no longer worship on this mountain or in the temple. But the true worshipers are those who worship me in spirit and in truth. So we can be in Durban. We don't have to be in, a, in somewhere else. We can be at work. We can be anywhere. Anywhere. And we can be in the very presence of God. That's our right. That's our right just to be right there in His presence. And then we can ask for anything. We can ask for anything. Not because of us. Not because of us. Not because you did something good. Not because you, you've earned all those points this week. Now you've earned the right to ask for something. You know, it's pride. God resists the proud. It's pride that says, okay, I've done everything right. Now I can come and ask. Can you just make a decision to just crucify pride? That there's nothing you can do. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing you can do. And with humility, just receive the finished work of Jesus over your life. Look unto Him, the author, the finisher of your faith. Author and finisher. Author and finisher, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end of your faith. And by faith, like Abraham, he didn't waver at the promise of God, but by faith, he believed that God was able to do what he said he could do. He didn't look at his weakness. He wasn't conscious of his shortfallings, of Sarah's body, of the situation, of how wrong he messed up last week. He grabbed a hold of that promise of God. And it's when we do that, that we access the throne of grace, that we access the power of God in our lives, that we're no longer cut off from the flow of God's Spirit. The power you need to live in a righteous life is not found in trying to get your life right. It's just plowing deeper into the revelation of the cross. That's where it's found. Let the revelation set you free. That you already are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That He no longer counts your deeds against you. <laughs> Hallelujah. to step into everything I've been talking about. You haven't yet given your life to Jesus and put your faith in the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you were honest today, you wouldn't even really think that, you would, that heaven is your home and that God is your Father. And you haven't made that decision. If, if you're here and you haven't done that, I want to invite you into this grace and give you the chance to publicly confess your faith to Jesus. If it's you, you can slip out of your seat and come stand in the front here. If you need, want to give your life to Jesus, just slip out of your seat, come to the front and we'll, and, I'll, and we'll pray with you up here. But by coming out of your seat, you're saying, Jesus, I want that forgiveness. 
You haven't yet made that decision to have your sins washed away. Anybody here? I don't want to drag it out this morning. If you know you need to be here and you need to give your life to Jesus and you need to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, come quickly. Come quickly. We'll pray with you. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to walk out of here a new person. pray over this congregation this morning, Lord, that we would, there would be no one here cut off from grace, but that we would all go boldly from this point forward, Lord, that we would enter with boldness in our relationship, our confidence, not in ourselves, but in that finished work of Jesus. Lord, I break every religious spirit, everything that's been trying to keep your people from true and broken fellowship with you. Lord, I break its power in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Thank you that the truth has gone forth, Lord, and it's setting people free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, church. Just give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Please join us for tea and coffee outside. Uh, Don't forget, first-time visitors, we've got like a connect zone for you. We want to give you a treat, something beautiful. Don't go break your fast with a big steak. Go in gentle, okay? (laughs) Bless you. Thank you, man. Come on. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at iandurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.